Reevaluating IT Security Awareness, and James Comey's Cybersecurity Legacy as FBI Director. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We begin today's report with a look at cybersecurity awareness. The most often cited cyber defense I hear about in my many conversations with IT security managers and practitioners is cyber awareness. And true, cybersecurity awareness can help prevent damaging breaches. After all, many hackers instigate cyber attacks with malware contained in an attachment that users click on. Awareness of such dangers can go a long way in preventing harmful data breaches. Still, a problem with cybersecurity awareness is that it puts responsibility, perhaps too much responsibility, with the end user. Such reliance on end user awareness, as we've seen over and over again, doesn't always work. That doesn't mean we should deep six awareness programs. Educating users is a key component in IT security, but we should put user awareness in perspective. Listen to Steven Chabinski. He's the former Deputy Assistant Director for Cyber at the FBI and now serves as the Global Chair on Data Privacy and Cybersecurity at the law firm White and Case. Chabinski also served on President Obama's Commission on Enhancing National Cybersecurity. He testified earlier this week on cyber threats facing America before the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. We can improve our security considerably, but there's a catch. Doing so will require that we reconsider and change the fundamental nature of our efforts. Most important, we have to stop thinking that cybersecurity is a problem that users can fix. We are not going to get ourselves out of this mess by having every consumer, every business owner, and every operator of critical infrastructure practice good cyber hygiene, or even by having them adopt the NIST cybersecurity framework. Instead, the burden for cybersecurity must be moved as far away as possible from the end user. That will require a 180-degree shift from what we are doing now. We must adopt higher-level international solutions that include greater threat deterrence, the design of more secure products and protocols, and a safer Internet ecosystem. Put differently, we must resolve cybersecurity problems primarily at their source rather than at their destination. By way of analogy, when faced with the Flint, Michigan water crisis, a federal state of emergency was declared, and solutions are being put in place to repair and upgrade the city's water system and to replace the pipes. Nobody could imagine opting instead for establishing NIST guidelines that would require every home and every business operating in Flint to purchase their own state-of-the-art water filtration system and to hire the experts needed to continuously monitor and upgrade those systems. Some food for thought from Steve Chabinski. Chabinski, by the way, will appear on a panel this coming Tuesday to discuss President Trump's cybersecurity agenda at the ISMG Breach Prevention Summit being held in Washington. We'll be back in a moment with a look at former FBI Director James Comey's cybersecurity legacy after this message. Keynote panel. Cybersecurity in the era of Donald Trump. That, plus the FBI, DOJ, and more industry influencers at ISMG's Breach Summit in Washington, D.C. Visit ismgcorp.com to register today. He's going to be remembered for the encryption fight more than anything else. He made himself the face of that. 
That's Council on Foreign Relations Senior Fellow Robert Kanaki speaking about James Comey. Comey led the FBI since September 2013 until his firing this week by President Donald Trump. Comey leaves a cybersecurity legacy as director. Most notably, he championed what he'd characterized as exceptional access or warrant-proof encryption. Others termed it a backdoor to bypass the encryption found on many mobile devices. Comey contended that the government working with private tech companies, including the likes of Apple and Google, could develop a process in which law enforcement agencies with a court-approved warrant could gain access to a suspected criminal or terrorist mobile device without giving bad guys the same type of access. Most security experts say that can't be done. Give police access, they say, and eventually nation-state actors and criminals also gain access. Comey didn't buy the security experts' arguments. Here's Comey testifying at a July 2015 Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. I don't come with a solution. This is a really, really hard problem. I hear lots of folks say it's too hard, can't be fixed. My reaction to that is, really? I think Silicon Valley is full of folks who, when they stood in their garage... Years ago, we're told your dreams are too hard to achieve. It is too hard. Thank goodness they didn't listen. And they built remarkable things that have changed all our lives. Maybe this is too hard, but given the stakes, given the importance of security on the Internet and public safety for the good folks of this country, we got to give it a shot. Comey's championing developing an encryption bypass came to a head in early 2016. That's shortly after the San Bernardino, California terrorist shooting that left 14 people dead. Police recovered the iPhone used by the shooter. The FBI asked Apple to help unlock the iPhone, but the company refused to do so on grounds it would weaken the security Apple products provide its customers. The Justice Department sued but dropped the case after the government reportedly paid $1.3 million to have a third party unlock unlock the device. How effective was Comey's campaign for creating a way for law enforcement to gain access to seized mobile devices? So far, no known process has been adopted. Here's Herbert Lin. He's a Hoover Institute cyber policy expert who served on President Barack Obama's commission on enhancing national cybersecurity. On balance, I think he ultimately it was more harmful than not because it, what it did was increase the level of distrust between the uh, feds and the uh, and Silicon Valley by an enormous amount. Bruce Schneier is a renowned cryptographer, and he says Comey should have spent more time building the Bureau's cyber forensics skills rather than advocate for an encryption bypass. Schneier says cyber forensic skills have been lacking at the FBI for a generation. They had 20 years of not, of not having to learn real forensics, and that's the average career length of an FBI officer. Comey has no legacy here. He didn't do anything either good or bad. Still, the Council on Foreign Relations, Kanaki, says Comey has left his mark on the FBI beyond the encryption battles. The FBI during Comey's tenure weakened the botnets Game Over Zeus and Kilos. And Kanaki points out that the Bureau made notification of cybercrime victims a priority over simply investigating online attacks during Comey's three and a half years leading the FBI. That became you know, one of the FBI's main responsibilities was to use their presence throughout the United States to go and knock on an awful lot of doors and tell people, look, we have reason to believe that you know, a, an advanced adversary has compromised your network. He deserves credit uh, for that. That happened on his watch. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news.
Microsoft has quickly fixed a startling vulnerability discovered in its anti-malware engine that's used in a variety of the company's security products. ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk explains. The flaw could have allowed the complete takeover of a system through a single email. The problem was discovered by Tavis Ormandy and Natalie Silvanovich, both of whom work for Google's Project Zero bug hunting team. Ormandy, who has notably found many security software flaws, described it as crazy bad. The vulnerability was within Microsoft's malware protection engine, which is a complex component that watches the computer's file systems for signs of malicious activity. Just two days after the bug report, Microsoft deployed a patch. In a post, the researchers describe why it's so bad. Because the malware protection engine is in charge of scanning the file systems, it has far-reaching access. Conversely, it means attackers can reach the engine minus any interaction by the user. The core scanning and analysis component is called MP-Engine. There's another component within MP-Engine called N-Script, which is responsible for looking at JavaScript. For some reason, Microsoft didn't isolate NScript. It doesn't run in a sandbox and has high privileges. They found a function within NScript that fails to validate a message string, which could allow an attacker to pass on other arbitrary objects. No user interaction is required if real-time anti-malware protection is enabled. In that mode, the engine automatically scans incoming files or links. Merely sending an email to someone could be used to trigger an exploit. The victim doesn't even have to open the email or an attachment. Visiting a link in a web browser or one sent via instant messaging is another attack path. Luckily, it doesn't appear anyone else has stumbled onto the bug. Microsoft says it hasn't seen indications that others have been attacked, but the finding once again demonstrates that the very applications designed to thwart hackers can actually easily let them in. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Finally, President Donald Trump signed Thursday the long-awaited cybersecurity executive order. The executive order places responsibility for cybersecurity on departmental secretaries and agency directors and emphasizes the use of risk management throughout the federal government to secure digital assets. It also calls for the modernization of federal government IT as a way to enhance cybersecurity. Newer technology is seen as more secure than legacy systems that might not be able to be patched. The executive order proposes a number of studies to identify steps the government should take to enhance the security of its systems, as well as those of critical infrastructure. It also calls for the strengthening of the cybersecurity workforce of the future. Experts reviewing the executive order generally praise the document, though they note it doesn't call for radical changes in the government's approach to IT security. It's seen as more evolutionary than revolutionary. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chavro. Catch you next time.